Hi everyone, welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Investment Podcast, your first and only regular audio source for all things related to the world's second biggest property investment arena, Japan. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again, and thank you once again for tuning in. Happy to be with you. On today's episode, we're going to talk a bit about ownership rights, zoning regulations, and the potential for financing from local banks or other Japanese financial institutions. We recently got the following question from a listener. As a non-resident of Japan, can I buy any property in Japan without restrictions? I'm thinking of buying a 200-year-old residential landed property in the outskirts of Tokyo for my own stay and maybe as a guest house. Am I entitled to get a loan from a Japanese financial institution? If yes, what is a typical loan margin and tenure? And what kind of interest rate can I expect? So a few topics to cover in this question. Let, let's just break them down one by one. Firstly, regarding ownership rights. So generally speaking, almost all property in Japan is freehold, meaning the owner or owners have full rights to the land and any structures on it in the vast majority of cases. And there isn't any difference here between residents or non-residents, um, citizens of Japan or citizens of any other country. The only exceptions to this rule are unique cases like agricultural land with a residential property on it, where the owner, the farmer, wants to remain the owner of the land even if they sell the house built on it. There are some developers out there who sell only structural rights and retain ownership of the land, but these are very rare. And in some culturally protected areas, such as historical streets in Kyoto or other world heritage type places like Shirakawa-go, there may be particular structures or plots of land that can only be sold to native-born Japanese citizens and can only be used for very specific purposes. But again, these are all very much exceptions to the norm here. In 99% of cases, any property sold in Japan is completely freehold and can be bought by anyone as long as the seller agrees to sell it to them. If you're working with a realtor, which is normally the case here, the property registration documents should always clearly show the exact size and location of the land parcel, any legally built structures on it, and all and any rights and ownerships, including any caveats if these exist. If you're street scouting, you identified an attractive property and you want to find out more about the ownership of the zoning or any other unique aspects of the property, you can either head over to the Legal Affairs Bureau or you could hire a judicial scrivener, which is the Japanese equivalent of a property lawyer. They're called Chihoshoshi in Japanese. And these guys can easily find out everything that you need to know. Their services are also quite affordable, so no reason not to use them. Now, in regards to financing, Mortgages are quite attractive in Japan since interest here interest rates here are very very low normally 2 to 4% for a standard mortgage which can be for any number of years loan to value ratios LTV are up to 80 or 90% and even 100% is not unheard of however up until very recently these weren't available to non-residents and they're still quite difficult to source unless you're well established here in the last couple of years, some banks have started creating some foreigner-specific schemes, such as business loans, which can be used for property investment purposes. Still not as easy as in other countries. You'll often have to set up a corporate structure. 
have some asset purchased in cash first, sitting under that structure and generating income for a year or two. And that asset is then going to be used as security, not the property that you're going to purchase, as is the case in most other countries. Alternatively, if you don't have any assets here or no local income history, you could go for loans that are over 100 million yen, um, so slightly less than 1 million US dollars, but then you'd have to put up 50 to 60% of the loan value as a cash deposit. So unfortunately, still quite strict on criteria and not an easy task for non-residents by any means. If you are a resident of Japan and you do have an income history here, things do get easier, but the language and cultural barriers still exist. So it's always better to go to bank meetings with someone who's fluent in Japanese, preferably a native Japanese person, and have a business plan written in Japanese to present to the bank. Some of the larger international banks, such as HSBC or Citibank, um, would possibly provide loans to non-resident foreigners if applied for in other countries. But the, these loans are usually for, again, fairly expensive properties, mostly just in the heart of Tokyo. So cash on cash returns may not be as high as you could get in other, other parts of the country. Now, lastly, for that original question, as far as setting up a guest house is concerned, and this again is only once you've verified that the property can be legally used as a business for this purpose. As we've discussed in a previous episode here when we interviewed Paul Feinberg for Modern Guest House Living here in Tokyo, there are other complications involved. Since we've now moved from straight out property investment and standard rental leases to a fully pledged business endeavor. So you definitely need to incorporate here in Japan for this purpose. And incorporation obviously carries its own set of setup and upkeep costs, stuff that you'll want to consult with an accountant before taking on. Also bear in mind that there would be plenty of rules and regulations to consider. And these tend to change on a fairly regular basis. As Paul explained to us, there is a new set of legislative framework that's supposed to be introduced here in June this year. That's June 2018. And not all of these laws are very clear at this point. In fact, most of the framework is still a bit of a mystery. We will be providing more info about it here on the podcast once it becomes a reality. But obvious things such as accommodation, business licensing, um, health and safety regulations, local staffing, periodical reports and compliances with local municipalities, and the check and follow-up on guest credentials, these would all need to be taken into account for both Japanese resident business owners or non-resident ones. That's it from us today, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like, comment, and of course, share it with anyone that you, who you think may find it interesting. And we're looking forward to having you with us again next week on NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Investment Podcast. Until next time, happy investing. <laughs>